In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, to care for the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the strain on healthcare workers of our community, we are continuing to suspend in-person worship at this time, and instead we will worship through podcast. When we worship together, whether you are worshiping with us on Saturday night when the podcast is posted or Sunday morning uh, at 10.30, just so you can have a sense of normalcy, or even if you're listening to this a year later, by the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that we don't understand but don't need to, we are still worshiping together. Anytime we worship the crucified, resurrected, and reigning Christ, we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that unites us all across whatever section of, uh, of Christianity we belong to. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that guides us daily and that carries us through and reminds us of all of the things that Christ has said to us. So as you're worshiping today, it's our hope and prayer that you would have a sense not that you're worshiping just through uh, the audio that's coming through your headphones or speakers or stereo uh, or your computer, but that you are worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ here in Oregon City and anywhere that people are listening to this through this podcast, but also through worship services that are happening in a variety of different ways around the world as we all continue to adapt to the COVID-19 pandemic. A few thoughts and notes of things that are going on in, this, in the life of our church this week. Uh, we wanna to continue to pray for those who are without power. The, the, the ice storm that interrupted our, our regular routines last weekend uh, has subsided and, and things have thawed out quite a bit. Um, but due to the, the damage, uh, some people who live out farther into the, the hills and, and places like that still don't quite have power fully restored. Uh, and so we keep them in our prayers. We, we hope that they're well, uh, and we love and serve them as best we can. There will not be Zoom coffee hour this week because we're having curbside communion. If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday, February the 21st, 2021, and are in the Oregon City area and would like to receive uh, the Lord's Supper with us, we will have all of our uh, COVID safety precautions, masks, gloves, the, the works, and we'll be serving communion on the 9th Street side of the church building. The church is located at 9th and John Adams Street in Oregon City. And on the 9th Street side, you'll see a big blue uh, covering. I, I awning. It's not really an awning. It's kind of a, a tent-like thing. Uh, but you'll see it. It's big and blue and hard to miss. And we have a bunch of signs out that say curbside communion. But that happens from 1130 to 1230. Uh, the third Sunday of every month, and this Sunday, February 21st, 2021, from 11.30 to 12.30 Pacific Time, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 
we will be having curbside communion on the Ninth Street side of the church, and there will not be Zoom coffee hour. We'll also have a communion service, a Lord's table service within this podcast. So, so if you're not able to make it out, there will still be the opportunity for the Lord's table. Next week on the Zoom coffee hour, we will be showing off the crafts and hobbies and things that we've been working on. So if you like to do plastic models, if you like to, uh, to do photography or painting or drawing or diamond art, or if you read books or write poetry or can stand on your head and juggle, maybe you play banjo, I don't know. But whatever you're working on right now, bring it to Zoom Coffee Hour at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on February the 28th, that's next week, and you can show us what you've been up to. One other thing of note is starting this Wednesday, which is the 24th of February, 2021, at noon Pacific time, we will be having community Lenten Zooms, uh, different churches around ours in Oregon City, have taken different weeks. And each week at noon, there will be a, a little Zoom worship service that will include instruction on, on how to participate in a particular spiritual discipline. Each week, each church is doing a different spiritual discipline. Ours will be breathing prayer, and there's, there will be more about that later in this worship service. But it's an opportunity to gather with people in Oregon City, gather with the family of God, in Oregon City, and worship together through this Lenten season. We hope and pray that you're well. We hope that as we worship, that we do it in the spirit and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy God, you are so good to us, and you are beautiful, and you are marvelous. You bless us in so many ways that we fail to understand so regularly. And Lord, as we come before you today, we are grateful for every breath in our lungs, for every ray of sunshine and every raindrop that falls, and for every tree that fills the forest. We are grateful for each other and for the community that we live in. And we are grateful to be called your people. We are grateful to be the people of God, adopted into your family, and so graciously loved by you. Lord, you love us so much, and you call us to live as your people. And sometimes, Lord, we don't live up to that. Lord, help us to see the ways that we fail to live up to your standard. Help us to repent of them. Help us to make reconciliation with others where it's needed. And help us to come to you for forgiveness. Lord, help us to forgive others when they seek for forgiveness from us. And help us to right any wrongs that we may have caused. Lord, there are so many in our midst who are in need. There are so many who are sick. And there are others who struggle with mental health issues. Lord, for those who are in need, help us to see them. Guide us to see their plight, to see the difficulties that they live in. And help us to meet those needs using the gifts that you've given us. Place your hand on the hurting, on those whose bodies and minds are not well. Give them your grace and strength to carry through to another day. Lord, we are your people, and we are sent by you into this world to show your love and your mercy to everyone around us. Help us to be faithful witnesses of who you are, and what you have done for us. It's in your name that we pray, the name above all other names, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. God, do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. 
But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mark 1, 9-15 At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The first time Lucy Pevensey enters the world of Narnia, through the wardrobe in C.S. Lewis's classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The whole world is covered in snow. It kind of looked a lot like it did. I imagine it looked a lot like it did around here last weekend, but maybe without all the property destruction. <laughs> it was covered in snow and, and she runs, she sees a, a, a lamp post in the middle of the forest and eventually meets a, a fawn and and they walk through the snow together. And the whole 
world, she finds out, is always winter, but never Christmas. Later on in the book, her brother Edmund comes into the world of Narnia. And when Lucy came in, she had met a fawn named Mr. Tumnus, and he was good to her and, and was kind to her. Edmund, on the other hand, runs into a, a woman who was riding in a sleigh um, that was driven by a dwarf. And she stopped in front of him and offered him all sorts of treats and, and goodies. And, and then found out that he had a family and she wanted him to get his whole family to come back to Narnia and come to her castle. And she offered him hot chocolate and a, a candy called Turkish delight and said there was more of that if he could get his whole family there. Later on, the whole family does indeed go into Narnia and they go into Narnia and they run into Mr. and Mrs. Beaver who tell him, who tell them Aslan is on the move. And for Peter, the older brother, and Susan, the older sister, and Lucy, the youngest child, they're all filled with warmth and hope and light at hearing that Aslan is on the move. Edmund, on the other hand, sneaks off to the white, the person that we find out is the white witch's castle. And she is, imprisons him and is cruel to him. Aslan is on the move is a significant phrase because Aslan is the representation of Jesus in this story. And when we read in the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that phrase, Aslan is on the move. And when we read the book of Mark here, we see that Jesus is on the move in both situations. The book of Mark, just a, a little bit of background, the book of Mark is, first of all, the shortest of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the, the books of the Bible that begin the New Testament. Mark was also likely the first of the Gospels written. Uh, and likely Mark had written it off of the memories and, and recollections of Peter. And it starts off like none of the other Gospels. Matthew starts off with the genealogy and then has a bit about the, uh, the birth of Jesus. Whereas Luke starts off with the birth of Jesus, two chapters on the birth of Jesus, and then does a genealogy and on with the story. John has a very poetic beginning that reflects on what it means for God to take on flesh and move into the neighborhood. Mark starts off with a bang, with the simple statement, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, then tells the story briefly of John the Baptist before getting straight in to how things begin with Jesus. It takes only eight verses and Jesus shows up physically in verse nine. When we meet Jesus in Mark, he goes through three very 
two very brief events that are told very briefly than in other gospels are expanded upon greatly. First of all, we find uh, Jesus being baptized by John, and almost as soon as that's over, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted, and as soon as that's over, John gets put in prison, and Jesus begins proclaiming the good news of God. There are, there are three phrases when we get to this end part, which is the part that we're, we're going to, uh, to spend a bit of time on today. There are three phrases that, that Jesus uses here in his proclamation. The first is the time promised by God. And he uses it to say, the time promised by God has come at last. And this time is the time when God would send a, a redeemer, that God would send a Messiah, that, that there would be somebody who would usher in the time when God himself reigned over his people. And a few things would happen when when God reigned over his people. First, they would be free from uh, any foreign oppression after the, from the time of the exile in Babylon onwards in the Old Testament, God's people were, were constantly under going back and forth of, of times of, of freedom and oppression by, by foreign powers. And the promise of, of God reigning over his people meant that they would finally have a good ruler, that they would be ruled by God himself. The next thing is that worship would be purified. There, there would no longer be corruption in the temple. And we see this corruption when Jesus drives out the money changers and that worship of, of Yahweh would be pure when, when God ruled over his people. And, and justice would reign, that all of the wrongs would be righted. Uh, as the prophet Amos said, that justice would flow like mighty waters and as one of the other prophets said, that the whole world would be covered in the knowledge of the glory of God. And this, Jesus says, the time, has, the time for this has come at last. And he calls this the kingdom of God. This time that Jesus or that God is going to rule directly over his people. The kingdom of God has arrived. And then Jesus says, repent and believe, repent of your sins and believe the good news. And what is the good news? Well, the good news is that God is reigning directly over his people and he is inviting his listeners, anyone who has ears to hear, Jesus is inviting them to believe in this good news. But before he says all this, as I said, there's two things that Jesus goes through. He goes through baptism by John, which we find out uh, before this is for the repentance of sins. And he goes into the wilderness. And if you've not spent a lot of time in the Old Testament, then you, you might have missed out on the wilderness. It's, it's kind of a big part of the history of God's people, the Israelites, uh, that we see in the book of Exodus. The God leads 
the people, his people out of Egypt where they were in slavery uh, using Moses and his brother Aaron. He leads them out of slavery and he's going to lead them to a land where they, they could take possession of and where they could live in peace. But in between, as often happens on long journeys, people started to get grumpy and, uh, and they, they bicker and they fight and they become idolatrous and all of these things happen. And finally, God says, enough, you're going to wander in the wilderness until this rebellious generation is gone and the people who will inherit the land will be the ones who have not rebelled against me. And it's seen as a, a purifying action in the Old Testament, the, the time in the wilderness where the people are give up on their rebellious ways. And Jesus takes both of these actions on himself. Jesus doesn't need to repent of anything. Jesus was without sin. But yet, Jesus goes through the baptism of John. Hmm. Jesus doesn't need to be purified of anything, but yet he goes into the wilderness and is tempted by Satan and comes out on top. In our the first creative scripture reading that we heard a minute ago, Psalm 25 is interspersed with the, the three temptations of Jesus from the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew and Luke both expand on this time of temptation. And, uh, and as they expand on it, they, they list out these three different ways that Jesus was tempted. Mark just gets straight through it. Jesus goes through this temptation, even though he wasn't going to falter. And he goes through this purification, even though he had nothing to be purified from. The fact is, there's nowhere that Jesus sends us or asks us, asks us to go that he has not gone first through himself. We don't follow a Jesus who is sending us into places where he hasn't already been. Jesus leads us into the kingdom. He brings in this time where God rules directly over us. But it's we get there through repentance and belief. Now let's break that down a little bit. Repentance. Repentance means to turn around, to turn from the ways that you're living, the way that you're going, and to go in a different direction. The, the baptism that Jesus goes through with John, we can look at that as a call to individual repentance. We're all broken people. We're good. We're made in the image of God. That, that good image of God still lives within us, but it's broken. And there are ways in which our brokenness that we live out and it contributes to the brokenness of the world. Because when we're not living the ways of Jesus, when we're living in rebellion to the ways of God, it contributes to more brokenness around us. It contributes to a broken relationship with other people. We all have... I think, 
maybe maybe you don't, and if you don't, that's okay. Uh, you know, good for you. Um, and I mean that sincerely. But I think a lot of people have broken relationships somewhere in their lives. They have some situation where the 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 bond of fellowship, love, and 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 goodness with other human beings has broken down. And sometimes that gets patched up and sometimes we do the work on that and sometimes we don't. Our brokenness leads to brokenness between us and other people. Our brokenness leads to brokenness within ourselves. When we, when we struggle with, uh, with various addictions or various cravings or longings within ourselves, uh, for things other than Jesus, that's our brokenness. Whenever we, uh, whenever we lack self-confidence, whenever we don't uh, believe in the work that God is doing in us, that's our brokenness. And obviously, our brokenness means that we're separated from God, that, that without something to heal this brokenness, to bind up this brokenness, we, we won't have a right relationship with God because we're not living out the ways of God. In the baptism for repentance that Jesus goes through, he is aligning himself with those who are repentant. He is putting himself amongst those of us who have lots of things to repent for. And this isn't the only time that he'll do this. He'll go to the cross in the place of those of us who live broken lives. And so we're called to individual repentance. We're called to repentance that leads to healing and a return to the ways of Jesus, a return to the ways of God to live, live lives led by the Spirit, to live lives that are right between us and others, to live lives that are right with ourselves, and to live lives that are right with God. And this is, this is commonly called shalom, and it's the fruit of repentance. Then Jesus goes into the wilderness. And as I said, this was a, a purifying time for God's people, the Israelites, in the Old Testament. And when we see Jesus in the wilderness, we see and hear his call to repentance. It's a call to communal repentance. We're broken people, as I said. And as a gathered body of God's people, we're a gathered group of broken people. And because of that, we have not always as God's people, lived out ways that have been faithful. Sometimes God's people have followed ways that they thought were right, and they turned out to be let, being led astray. At different times in history, we've thought that worldly power meant spiritual power, and we fought wars, and we murdered, and people were slaughtered all across the continent because we thought that's how God's kingdom was advanced. Um, the, the Crusades are, are a perfect example of that. The slave trade 
is a perfect example of that. The conquests of Central America, a lot of that happened because it was people who thought they were spreading God's kingdom, but it was an exercise in worldly power. When we, when we grasp for political power, thinking that attaining political power and influence in the highest seats in our land will, will usher in the kingdom, to do that, we oftentimes have to do things that don't look at all like the ways of God. And this is our communal brokenness. It's our communal brokenness when we refuse to see those who are hurting in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our region. When we refuse to see those who are the results of who, whose broken lives have been broken at the cost of systemic racism, generational poverty. And when we've looked at this as followers of Jesus and refused to see the face of our Lord in these people, we've, when this happens, we're not following the ways of Jesus. And so we need to repent from this. And this is where Jesus leads us in the wilderness, is to a time of communal repentance where we say, we have grasped for worldly power and not lived out the ways of Jesus. We have failed to see the suffering of our neighbors. We have failed to see the least of these as the face of Jesus. And we need to turn from these ways. When Jesus says, repent of your sins and believe the good news, this is the repentance half. It is individual and it is communal. And when we individually as people and as the collective of God's people turn from our wicked ways and turn back to God, then we can grasp the good news. We do this for the sake of the good news, the good news that God is ruling and reigning directly over his people. This is our Lenten work. We are in the season of Lent, which is the 40 days plus six Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter. And Lent is a time of repentance. Lent is a time of turning back to God. And this is what we do in Lent. We repent and we believe the good news. Because the good news is that God is reigning over us, that God, the time has come that God reigns over his people. This belief that Jesus talks about is not purely a mental exercise. This is not just something that we sit around and think about. This belief has to lead to action. This belief leads us to see God's kingdom coming in our midst. Jesus arrives announcing this. This is the beginning of the gospel of Mark. And as we go through Mark, we're going to see how Jesus as a servant king is going to make clear how the kingdom comes in our midst. He's going to do healings. He's going to drive out demons. He's going to care for people. He's going to raise the dead. 
And he's going to do all of this to show what it looks like when God's kingdom comes in our midst. And so the question that I want to leave us with today, there's a couple. Can we repent? Can we in this time turn from the acknowledge with humility in, and in submission to the Lordship of Christ, can we acknowledge that there are things that we need to repent of as individuals and as the community of God's people? And then can we believe in the good news and live in this kingdom now? Because if we can, then we see where Jesus is coming into our midst and we acknowledge those ways and we go with those ways. If we believe in the good news, then we live as if God really is reigning over us right now. As if this time is already happening and will be will come into its fullness at some point in the future. If we go back to Narnia, as Aslan is on the move and as the white witch is losing her power, the snow starts melting. And they, they slowly, the, the snow melts and the grass turns green and Springtime comes again, the, the trees start to bloom. The snow is melting in Narnia, means that Aslan is coming near. Jesus comes announcing the kingdom of God. Can you see it? Can you see it coming? Can you see where it's present right now in our midst? And can we repent and believe the good news so that we can live out the kingdom of God just as Jesus is announcing? Hear the word of the Lord. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He has sustained everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in a place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by Christ's blood on the cross. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, 
And then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sir. 
we've come now to the time of the Lord's table. It is the time when we gather at the table that Jesus has set before us, just like he set for his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. We come to this table not out of any other reason than that Christ invites us to meet him here. If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. on the 21st of February, 2021, and would like to join us at the 9th Street side of our church in Oregon City, uh, it is at 9th and John Adams, and on the 9th Street side, we'll be set up for curbside communion. And at curbside communion, you pull up, and we serve you communion through your car window. You don't have to get out. Um, we, we bring it right to you. We have little cups of, of juice that have uh, the bread on top of them. And I'll, I'll be very straightforward with you. Uh, the bread and the juice don't taste that great. So if you want to bring your own bread and juice or coffee and a donut or whatever it is that you, a, a carb and a liquid, if you want to bring that with you, um, we will bless it and we will uh, celebrate the Lord's table together. Again, you don't have to get out of your car. So if you're, if you're naturally cold, you can turn on the heat. If you're naturally warm, you can leave the, the fan running in your car. If it's raining, you won't get wet. Uh, and we will celebrate the Lord's table together. Again, that is the Ninth Street side of the church uh, that is located at 819 John Adams Street at the corner of Ninth and John Adams in Oregon City. If you're not able to make it, or if you're listening to this later, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table now. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this, we proclaim to you a mystery that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross and looking forward to the time when we will drink this cup anew with Jesus in the fullness of his kingdom, take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. The church is currently in the season of Lent. Lent is a 40-day plus six-Sunday period between Ash Wednesday and Easter. During the season of Lent, we pay attention to repentance, forgiveness, and making way for the kingdom of God to come into our lives. Frequently during the season of Lent, people will fast from something, but for many years, what I found to be more helpful and more fruitful spiritually in my own life has been to add something, add a practice, add a, a prayer. And this year, I would like for our church to practice breathing prayer. According to Adele Alberg Calhoun in her book, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Breathing is an unconscious thing, and breath prayer reminds us that just as we can't live on one breath of air, we can't live on one breath of God. God is the oxygen of our soul, and we need to breathe him in all day long. Whether I'm thinking about it or not, I breathe. Whether I'm paying attention to it or not, I breathe. When we are born, air enters our lungs, and when we die, we breathe out our last breath. And the rest of our life is lived in between those two breaths as we keep breathing. Similarly, when we become followers of Jesus, when we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus is with us and within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, whether we feel like it or not. Some days I feel particularly close to God, and other days I don't. But through breathing prayer, we can train ourselves, both our, our souls and our minds and our bodies, to acknowledge the presence of Jesus, to acknowledge the goodness of God with every breath that we breathe. So at this point in worship, for the next six weeks, will be offering a different breathing prayer. And you'll hear the instruction to inhale and then a prayer for you to say as you inhale and then the instruction to exhale and the other half of the prayer to pray as you exhale. And maybe you, you think you've been listening to this and you, you think this is silly and that's okay. And maybe you think this isn't for me. And if you think it's not for you, or, or if you think it's silly, here's what I would ask you. Give it six weeks. Give it until Easter. And if by Easter, breathing prayer isn't for you, that's okay. Um, but at least give it a shot. At least try it. Because we don't always know or understand the means by which the Holy Spirit grows in us. So here's our breathing prayer for this week. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. Exhale. 
Help us see your kingdom. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. Exhale. Help us see your kingdom. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. Exhale. Help us see your kingdom. Inhale. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God. Exhale. Help us see your kingdom. We thank you for joining us today for worship. We hope that you have had a genuine sense of the Holy Spirit present with you through the songs, the prayer, the reading of Scripture, the proclamation of Scripture, and through the celebration of the Lord's table. If there is anything that you need, if there is any way that we can be praying for you, you can email our church at baptist.org at comcast.net, or you can visit us at onebaptistchurch.org. Again, that's the number one, baptistchurch.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram on social media, um, so you can look us up there. We would love to be able to serve you in any way that we can. So please get in touch if, if there's anything that you need. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers in creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making it all sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.